This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. How's it going? Happy New Year. My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of MSC Maravilla today. Also, Richard is here with Cruise News. Sherry has the week off. All right, we'll jump right to Richard. Hey, buddy. Hey, Doug. Thanks for having me. One Cruise Line is raising gratuities here in a couple of days. Yep. And you know, that always leaves the question of will the others follow? Because that tends to be how the industry works is once one blazes a trail forward in raising prices, the others follow. This time it's celebrity cruises. Uh, They basically let their travel partners know that the rates would be going up. They're going up a dollar, which is not a huge amount. The standard stateroom changed from $14.50 to $15.50 per day per guest. Concierge class and the aqua class staterooms changed from $15 to $16 per day per guest. And suite guests are now paying, it went from $18 to $19 per day per guest. People who booked already, have booked in advance, or have prepaid their gratuities won't have to pay the new price. If people, you know, um, book right up until, they have until January 6th. So if you have a cruise booked or you're thinking about booking a cruise with Celebrity and you can get it taken care of before January 6th, you won't have to pay the uh, price increase. And speaking of Celebrity, they are dropping a surcharge. Yeah, this one is a little bit interesting to me because it has to do with a surcharge that was added to a perk. And and we'll get what makes that interesting to me in particular in a minute. But basically what happened was Celebrity Cruises ran a promo offering booking perks. One of the options was the free classic beverage package. But then they decided after the fact to add a $14 per person per day charge to those who'd picked that beverage package. So, you know, they bought this package thinking um, that it was going to be free drinks. And then they were told, "Okay, yeah, you're each now going to be paying $14 per day per guest for this free perk that you booked. But a lot of people complained about it. And this was one of those cases. We've seen it before in uh, several times, actually, this year where Thanks to people speaking out, the cruise line blinked, and as a result, they decided to drop the surcharge. Now, what kind of makes this interesting to me is that Norwegian has for years been – it's one of their standard promos. They have it going almost every week of the year where, you know, based on what category of stateroom you book – you get a certain number of perks and dining and the drink package are among them. And with each of those, they charge a 20% surcharge. So if you buy the drink package, it's, you know, however much it is a day plus 20%, um, which sounds like basically the same thing that was happening here. So I'll be interested to see if, um, you know, Norwegian cruisers start picking up on this and are like, hey, wait a minute. Why are we having to pay this surcharge on our quote-unquote free drink package. A man went overboard on a Norwegian cruise line ship. These are always difficult stories to report on, Um, but it looks like a 62-year-old gentleman jumped off the Norwegian Jewel on Sunday while the ship was off the coast of New Zealand's North Island. Uh, The original port simply said that he went overboard, but, you know, anybody who's been covering these type of stories for a while knows, or anybody who knows anything really about the cruising industry knows that very rarely does a person, you know, fall overboard or, you know, simply go overboard. They're usually either it's an intentional action or it's a result of them doing something they probably shouldn't be doing. 
some kind of dangerous behavior. In this case, witnesses in the security camera footage um, seem to indicate that he deliberately jumped. There was a very extensive search. Not only was the Norwegian Jewel involved, but several helicopters, a couple of container ships that were in the area, which container ships are really great if they can help in this kind of search because they have really powerful spotlights on them. uh, And and, and they're really well equipped for being able to scan the water, especially at dark. Even a yacht that happened to be in the area and heard what was going on sort of joined the search. Unfortunately, uh, the, the man went overboard Sunday. By Monday, they basically called off the search, having determined that, you know, if he was in the water for that period of time, there was very little chance that he would have survived. Mm. Princess launched what they are calling their best sale ever. Does this promotion actually hold any water? Well, you know what? Welcome to wave season. <laughs> You're going to see a lot over the next couple of months of cruise lines rolling out what they say are their best sales ever, their best pitches. Um, because for those who don't know, wave season is is the period when cruise lines sell the vast majority of the staterooms that they have to book. And one of the reasons for that is because it's winter. You know, we're all those of us on the on the East Coast and, you know, even you down in Florida to get some cold weather. And the mind turns to getting out of there. You know, you want to escape the winter. You want to book something. So so it's a great time for people to think about booking a cruise. And that makes it a great time for the cruise lines to roll out promos. In this case, um, the, the sale is basically for any booking between now and February 29th of 2020. It's on any cruises that are three nights or longer sailing anytime after April 20th. Um, it doesn't include... Uh, the world cruises or grand voyages. What makes this kind of an interesting deal is when you book the best, and it's the best sale ever rate, when you book that rate, you're going to get the premier beverage package, including gratuities. So it really is a free drink package, as we were talking about before, unlimited Wi-Fi and prepaid gratuities. And in that case, they mean the daily service charge. The offers are valid for all guests, including third and fourth passengers, which is rare. Those They usually aren't included in this kind of thing. And it supposedly represents a value of about $95 a night. Here's the catch. And this happens often. There are going to be other rates as well available. And those other rates are probably lower. So with what happens a lot of times is you're drawn in by the bells and whistles of the sale, but that price might not be necessarily the best price for you, especially if, like, let's say you're not a drinker and you don't necessarily need the drink package. Well, you might not necessarily want to buy this particular package because it's going to be a higher price because they're factoring in the drink package. So it's a great deal if you're going to take advantage of the things that it offers. It's also just the beginning of wave season. You know, like I said, we're going to see a lot of offers coming down the pike and it's kind of one of the reasons that it's a good good idea to work with a travel agent because if you are not experienced in booking a cruise what may look like a great deal or sound like a great deal because you look at it and you're like oh my gosh they're throwing in all these great perks this is amazing a travel agent will be able to tell you whether it's really a good deal or whether it sounds like a good deal but you know it's really maybe average yeah a good travel agent can help you sort through all the bs sales promos you'll see over the next few months so uh last but not least here a msc cruise ship hit the dock this morning yeah um unfortunately it wasn't just 
any MSC cruise ship. It was MSC Grandiosa. It's one of their biggest ships. It's one of their newest ships. It's sort of a flagship for them. It wasn't a huge accident. They were docking in the port of Palermo, Italy, and they sort of hit the dock. It's not entirely clear how much damage was done at the time, but, you know, not exactly how you want the new year to start off, or, or I guess 2019 to end for your new ship. Supposedly, it was strong winds, which was basically the same thing that we saw when the two Carnival ships hit a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was blamed blamed on strong currents and strong winds. So, you know, this is becoming a problem. And we've talked about this before. The The side of a cruise ship becomes basically a gigantic sail. <laughs> when, when it gets hit with wind, it can, you know, it's hard to imagine wind strong enough to move something as big as these ginormous ships. But when you think about the side of a ship becoming a sail, it's easy to see how a strong gust of wind can really impact their attempts to dock. Listener question comes from Nicole. Email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. What happens if we don't use up all of our onboard credit during our sailing aboard Harmony of the Seas? That's a really great question. And the answer is kind of going to depend on what type of onboard credit it is. There's non-refundable, which as the name implies, you can't get back. So you want to make sure to spend that. And then there's refundable. Sometimes you might have both types of onboard credit. Like maybe you got some refundable onboard credit if a travel agent booked it for you and they they swung you a little credit. Usually onboard credit that you get as part of a promo when you book a cruise, like let's say you book a really good deal and it throws some onboard credit in there, that's usually going to be non-refundable. It's part of the deal. You either spend it while you're on the ship or not. Usually as you're spending money on the ship, when they go to, to take money out of your account or apply credits... They'll look at the non-refundable first. They'll they'll zap that out, and then they'll go for the refundable. If at the end of the trip you have refundable credits left, what generally will happen is, assuming that you put a credit card down at the beginning, you know, to cover your charges and stuff, it'll get applied back to your credit card. All right, we've been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. Richard, as always, thanks for stepping in. Glad to be here anytime. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News Skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip. Online claims assistance and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting cruisingexcursions.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net.
A couple of weeks ago, I sailed MSC Maravilla. I wasn't going to talk about it on the show because I wanted to test out MSC Cruises. It's been a minute since I've sailed them after some issues after my last sailing with them years ago. But I've gotten emails and Facebook requests to talk about it. So to interview me about my experience on MSC Maravilla is Dr. Chris. How you doing, my friend? It's good. How about you, Doug? Good, buddy. The show is all yours. Take control. Okay, thank you. I appreciate you asking me to do this. It's nice to be on the other side of the microphone for once. Well, yeah, you've sailed the ship a couple of years ago, so I thought, what better person to interview me than someone who's been on the ship before and who understands it? Plus, you're doing me a benefit because I'm going on her, uh, I guess it's the next generation Miravia um, in a couple of weeks. So this will get me more in the mood if I'm not already excited enough. There you go. Let's jump into it. Okay. So let's start with uh, your pre-cruise thoughts, because as you know, MSC gets kind of a mixed reputation among cruisers um, compared to some of the other more mainstream cruise lines. Yeah. The last time I sailed MSC was a few years ago. And I kind of just swore them off when I sailed them last because I did not have a good experience. Um, and then I interviewed you a couple of years ago about Maravilla. And this ship really piqued my interest with the big indoor promenade with that huge LED screen. And I saw a four-night cruise fare pop up for $89. And it backed up against my inaugural for the Norwegian Encore. So I booked it. I really booked it because I wanted to check out their new private island, which was the Ocean Key Reserve. Turns out that itinerary was changed after I booked because the island wasn't ready yet, but I was still open to sail and uh, just ready to check out MSC Cruises for the first time in a few years and see if they've improved with their North American product. Okay. Sounds like a good reason to book. And I will tell you, uh, my wife and I have mixed opinions on um, MSC. I liked it better than she did, but it's obviously we had a good enough experience that we're going again in a couple of weeks. So let's talk about embarkation. Uh, when did you get there? What terminal did you use? What was your embarkation port? Yeah, so we got there right around 12, and I think we were at Terminal G. It was one of the very last ones. It's the terminal with the big tents um, at the very end of the port there, or I guess beginning, depending on which way you're looking at the port. Um, we had a check-in time of one thirty, and we were like, let's just try to go early and see if we can, you know, some cruise lines don't really monitor that. But they were pretty strict on it. We got there at noon, we checked our bag, and... We got to the terminal. Everything was really quick. Bag check, security, check-in. We got a zone number. The boarding wasn't until 1.30. So we wound up sitting in the port for about an hour, like at the terminal for an hour and 15 minutes. But I will say, in all fairness, if we rolled in there at our check-in time, which was between 1.30 and 2 o'clock, we would have walked right on the ship. Well, that's longer than you've probably experienced with other ships. But given that it's, you know, 5,000 passengers, that's... Mm -hmm. Within the acceptable range, I would think. Yeah. And, you know, you, I normally don't ever try to get to the terminal too early, but I had to check out of my hotel at 11 o'clock and it didn't have like a business center or anything like that. So I would just rather sit at the terminal than sit there, you know, at the hotel. Right. You can definitely tell the seasoned cruisers. They're either the first there or the last to arrive. Exactly. What were your first impressions when you stepped on board? So I walked through the gangway. We were boarded onto deck six, and you're kind of dumped out right in there on the promenade, which is the showstopper because it has this big 
if you're, if the listeners are familiar with a Royal Caribbean Quantum class ship where they have the indoor promenade, um, and it's really long. I guess pretty much a lot of Royal Caribbean ships have that, but the ship reminded me of a lot of a of a Quantum class ship. But the LED screen was just like, you know, makes you drop your jaw. I will say that walking on board, their upsell game is really strong. They were trying to sell the Wi-Fi, the drink, and the dining package right out of the gate. We wound up buying the basic easy drink package. That's the really lower level one. Not because I'm a big drinker, but because it includes coffee and bottled water. So I thought that was a good value at $35 per day. But other than that, I was super stoked and I was ready to get this thing started. Yeah, uh, when we boarded, we kind of got that. We had last cruise the lure and it really had a lot of the kind of real caribbean mm-hmm. feel and vibe so i think they're doing a good job trying to uh, design their ships for a grander appeal they are and i mean the the led screen the promenade is a showstopper but also that atrium there with those savorsky crystal staircases and just you know the glitz the glam their hardware is very beautiful Yes, definitely. And uh, they're being very aggressive at building new ships. Yeah, like 12 now. So what kind of stateroom did you book on this four-night sailing? So it was an $89 room, as I mentioned earlier. So I had really no clue because it was an inside guarantee. So I didn't actually get my room assigned until the morning of the cruise. So I couldn't really do like all my big check-in stuff until I got to the port. So I get there. It's an inside room, deck 11, midship by the elevators. The room itself, very spacious. It had a glass shower, which I really liked. Plenty of room to store luggage and everything. The luggage fit perfectly under the bed. One thing with this cabin, though, these inside cabins, I don't know if they're all like this on the ship, but because it's an inside cabin, you open your door and you're looking at the two beds, which means that the TV is pretty much like where the door is. So when you're laying in bed and you're trying to watch TV, like if you wear glasses or have poor vision like me, um, you have a hard time seeing the TV. But other than that, I really have no complaints. Um, the AC was cold. The shower was hot. There was no outside noise. There was USB plugs, regular plugs. And so, yeah, no complaints with my stateroom. I was actually really, really happy with it. Awesome. Um, how was the storage in the closet? I remember that being a little tight when we were on board previously. I'm trying to think because, see, I live out of packing cubes. Okay. So I, I mean, I keep I keep my my boxers and socks in one, and I keep my gym clothes in one, then pants, and then the shirts in the other one, and I barely hang up anything. But it seemed okay. okay for me. But if I was traveling with someone who brought a lot of clothes, it probably could be tight. I don't remember closet space being as much of an issue as uh, lack of drawers. That's what we remembered. Uh, just places to put folded stuff. You know what? You're right because my buddy who I was traveling with. He left me with one drawer, and I snapped at him. I'm like, are you serious? You're going to take up all these drawers and leave me with one drawer? He's like, dude, I'm sorry. I thought there were more. I was being sarcastic. But uh, yeah, there, was, there wasn't that many drawers. You are right. Right, because uh, unlike other cruises, I don't believe they have any drawers in the desk area. No, they do So not. all Correct. you have is what's in the closet. And that has not changed on their newer ships either. So um, I don't know. if Maybe that's just their design choice. So let's get to dining. Where did you dine first and what venues did you hit up on this four-night sailing? We went to the main dining room the first night. It was solid, good service. Um, I had salmon, I had a salad, uh, dessert, 
good breads. One thing I did notice, though, with the drink package, and uh, you might be able to speak on this too if you purchase a drink package, is you can't use it like the basic premium easy package. You can't use it in every single restaurant. You can only use like the premium drink package at some of the dining venues. Did you experience that at all? When we sailed, we had the Fantastica, and back then they used drink vouchers Mm -hmm. for North American sailings or people from North America who were sailing. So we could use those pretty much everywhere. But I do know they're drink packages, and we do have one on the upcoming sailing. They're only usable in the buffet restaurant and Mm -hmm. the main dining room. They're not um, for use in any of the specialty restaurants. Okay. Yeah. I might've experienced something like that, or I was, I might've been, there might've been a translation issue or something. So there's three main dining rooms. There's two that are right across from each other. One's on the port side, one's on the starboard side with almost identical names. There's one down a deck called the waves restaurant. And that's where we did breakfast the next morning. And the breakfast was solid, your typical menu. You know, you had, we had like French toast, pancakes, things like that on the menu. Um, so that was solid as well. And then this, the buffet, the marketplace area, their buffet is pretty good, a large selection. One thing I will say about MSC, their pizza is really good. And they're making the mozzarella for the pizza legitimately right next to the pizza stand through this big glass wall. You could watch them make the mozzarella. What did you think? Did you like their pizza when you sailed? I actually was eating gluten-free because okay. of an allergy, mm-hmm. um, but my son raved about it, and we could not get him to try the cheese until like the last day of the cruise, and then he was bummed he hadn't tried it <laughs> earlier because he liked it so much. Yeah, I could see that. And then we did specialty restaurants, so we went to the teppanyaki one night. That was an a la carte experience. And, you know, it's nothing groundbreaking. If you go to a teppanyaki on a ship or on land, it's pretty much the same, the way they're preparing the food. But the table sure makes the difference. And then we went to Ola Tapas, and that was a, a new place. Was that on there when you were on board? That is new, um, but I believe they carried it over to the Grandiosa. Okay. So I'm looking forward to trying it. Yeah, it was small plates, all a la carte, and I like to eat a lot. So I was ordering all these, I think ordered four small plates, and I was still starving, but the bill was adding up because I didn't buy a dining package. So I'm like, okay, I sampled it. I'm still hungry. I'm going to pay the bill and then go upstairs. So I went upstairs and had my second dinner, which was pizza that night. But a lot of people, if you're a sangria person, apparently that place has really good sangria, like their own signature recipe or whatever. Well, not that a, sounds good. Yeah, I'm not a sangria person, but while we were eating, I kept noticing people walking in and out. So I asked the server and he was like, yeah, we have really good sangria here and special. So people come here just for a glass and then leave and go about their evening. The sushi bar was really good. Fresh seafood there, fresh sushi, affordable, something like you'd probably pay on land. Um, and then we didn't do dinner at the steakhouse, but we did do brunch there at Butcher's Cut. And that was all a la carte. And it was really good, though. We did the um, there was this chicken breakfast sandwich that had an egg, uh, a piece of fried chicken, drizzled maple syrup. So good. Oh, wow. Yeah, nothing on the menu was more than $7. I was really surprised. So we ordered one of everything. We ordered a stack of like strawberry French toast, a stack of blueberry pancakes, and then the sandwich. And then we tried to order a bottle of water. Here we go back to the drink package again. And uh, we paid $6 for a bottle. And then after that, we were still thirsty. So I just walked down to the bar 
and got a bottle of water and came back to the restaurant and the server was like, oh, you're finally figuring it out. (laughs) But that was pretty much about it. Like we did the Cirque show, but we didn't do the Cirque and dinner show. So I can't speak on that. And then there's a little poolside venue with pizza, burgers, fries outside next to the pool. And that was just as solid as the indoor buffet. Okay, that's new for us because there was no poolside um, burger joint. So uh, that was one of our complaints. So I'm glad they've addressed that. Yeah. So were- that's really encouraging. Um, speaking of Cirque, um, that's the only time, if I remember, you need to walk through the casino to get back to that carousel lounge. So how was the smoking in and around the casino there? You know, I'm not a smoker, but I didn't notice it being too bad. I've certainly have smelt worse before. But if you're sensitive to smoke, um, you might want to wait until the doors open at 7 o'clock or whenever your showtime is and then go in there because it's assigned seating. So it's not like you're going to get there first and get a good seat. Everyone has a seat and a ticket they're issued before they get to the venue itself. Correct. Yeah. Um, I guess the upside is you don't have to go through the casino to get anywhere except for the Cirque show. So yeah, pretty much there's that. And how was the Cirque show for you? We saw the show Sonar, I believe it's called. And it was so good, Chris. This was the best entertainment I've ever seen on a cruise ship. I believe it was $18. And if you're going to see the show, and if you're doing dinner in the show, you actually have kind of a uh, so-so seat because you're up a little bit because the servers have to keep walking to feed you and everything, where if you're not eating, you're right there in the round. If you're familiar with Royal Caribbean's Quantum Class Ships and their 270 Lounge, uh, this is just like the 270 Lounge, except it's in the round, which actually, yeah, 270 is in the round as well. But for someone who can't sit through a 25-minute show, and I sat through this, it says a lot. It was really, really good. Completely agree. There were five of us who attended, and we all raved about it. Best show we've ever seen at sea. Now, I will say there were, like, the theater show. It had a really weird show one night. It was a guy who was stuck in his cell phone. I remember telling you about that two years ago. Yeah, it was I lasted 10 minutes. And I, I just I couldn't do it. But otherwise, outside of the um, well, actually in the main theater, which is beautiful too, by the way, and no sight issues either, no poles or anything, just all straight sight lines. They had a beer prov, so a comedy troupe who would, I don't know if it's a skit or if it's a really an improv thing, but they come out with a bucket of beer and kind of play off the audience and do skits and improv skits. So yeah, if you're into improv, then that's a pretty cool show. We actually sat through that one. And then, you know, just like classical music and karaoke around the ship, a couple of bands, the main atrium had a piano player. So there was music for every taste. I wouldn't say it was like, you know, going crazy or going off or anything, but it wasn't just like, you know, classical music, the whole cruise either. There was a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And did they do the you on the kind of promenade screen during your sailing? During the, you know, on the Galleria Miravia, they do the uh, like selfie time. Are you talking about like they were showing the photos from the cruise on top of the LED screen? They do that now, apparently. But when we were on board, they had where you could walk down the promenade and they had cameras set up. So you'd see yourself on the ceiling so you could take a selfie of yourself with yourself in the background. That's really cool. I did not see that, although it could have been set up. But I I was pretty much through the promenade every single night 
and I didn't see that set up at all. I did see our photo on the screen, though, because okay. they, were, they were projecting photos throughout the cruise on the screen. I think we had a gangway photo or something up there. The LED screen, it was so cool the way that they um, would incorporate different scenes. Like they had Jurassic Park where there was a Jurassic Park soundtrack and the dinosaurs, you know, running across the ceiling and like the, the bass was going and all of that. And then they incorporated the LED screen, too, with the promenade parties, whether it be like the disco party or the Latin party. They would throw up like the flower power stuff on the ceiling. And there was that bridge there. So the promenade's on deck six. And then the upper deck is deck seven, where a lot of the restaurants are. And there's a bridge you can walk across right in the middle of the promenade, again, like Royal Caribbean has, um, where the... uh, entertainment staff would be up there dancing, singing, the DJ would be spinning there, and then everyone would be down on deck six. And then the LED screen on the roof was in, you know, in tandem with the entertainment. It was a really cool experience. Awesome. Last thing before we move off of kind of the entertainment, did you get any opportunity to do the outdoor venues like the water park, the pools, the ropes course? We'll kind of just segue into the sea day thing here because we did a lot of that on the sea days. There were four outside pools on this ship, and there wasn't any issues with crowds, no issues with congestion. The Polar Aqua Park was fun. You had to sign a waiver before you can go on the slides. Um, There's a ropes course right there on the very top of the ship right behind the water park. I think there was three slides, uh, water slides there. We did the uh, water park. We did the ropes course. And we did the, aqua. Uh, what is it called? The F1 simulator. I was going to do the flight simulator, but I didn't realize they enclosed you into this big capsule. And I just, I backed out last minute because I'm super claustrophobic. So I traded my voucher in for an F1 simulator. The helicopter or airplane simulator goes upside down too. So it's definitely a high thrill ride. Yeah. Did you do that? We did do it. Uh, my son didn't want to go upside down, but, you know, being a typical dad, I made us go upside down and then he liked it so much he kept spinning us upside (laughs) down so it's definitely like a roller coaster yeah inside of that little area there with the f1 and the flight simulator there's also a thrill theater and there was something else there's a bowling alley there with two lanes as well it was like 35 or 40 dollars an hour but i think you could get like up to six people per lane yeah i remember in europe it was like a euro a minute is what Mm -hmm. it broke down to anything else about sea days you want to address before we move on for a ship that had 4,500 people on it, it, it sure didn't seem like it. And now we work, you know, it was breezy, a little, I don't want to say chilly, but it was in the 60s. So I think that might have kept some people inside. But both sea days, we'd never had an issue, whether it be by the main pool there, or if we were in the polar park in the back, or that back infinity type pool. There was never an issue finding seating, which I really liked. MSC, their team did a great job in kind of dividing the crowds up between the four pools. Then you had that indoor two-deck solarium pool that was super popular as well. I worked a lot from the Sky Lounge, which kind of overlooked the Lido deck and overlooked the pool. And that's another beautiful spot as well. And is the Sky Lounge, now that she's in North America, still adult only? Yeah, I believe it was like 18 or 21. Okay. So it's a nice uh, option for people trying to get away from the kids. For sure. So uh, what ports did you hit on the sailing? We went to Cozumel, and I went over to the El Cid Resort and got a day pass. It was like 20 or $25. But the cool thing about the day pass there is that they also give you a credit within that for you to spend at the restaurant and bar 
right there at the El Cid. So if we paid $25, they gave us a $10 credit. So we had a $10 bar and food credit. We wound up only having maybe a couple of waters and a couple of drinks. Didn't even use our food credit. Um, but yeah, it's a good, it's walkable. It's a great distance from the ship. And you won't get left because the ship, well, at least our ship was right in front of us. We could hit the ship with a baseball if we wanted to. Yeah, it's also hard to pay for drinks on shore when you have the drink package on board. That too. Yeah, I've, I have found myself in that. So uh, I guess you had a sea day after Cozumel. We already talked about how the ship handles on sea days, which obviously sounds like it was well done. I remember the same experience even in cold weather as you did. So let's talk about disembarkation, the day most cruisers dread the most. Yeah, disembarkation sucks, but I wanted to be the first person off the ship because I was boarding Norwegian Encore in just a few hours and had to go do some work. So uh, they started at 7.15. I walked off the ship and I was standing in front of the terminal at 7.20. No lie, customs and everything, super simple, super streamlined. And I think everyone probably partied the night before, so I probably had a little bit of an advantage there because no one wanted to quite get off the ship yet. Wow. Um, I've always wanted to do a back-to-back on two different ships from the same port. Um, How did you kill time between getting off the Miravia and getting on your Norwegian cruise? So I went up to Bayside in Miami. They have a Starbucks there that opens like at 6 o'clock. So I sat at Bayside um, for probably two, two and a half hours. I did some work, did some editing, and then we went to Norwegian Encore about 11 o'clock or so. Good to know. I'm sure someone will benefit from knowing they can get to a Starbucks relatively easily. Yeah, and if you're taking an Uber or a Lyft from the cruise terminal over the Bayside, expect to pay 5 to $7 each way. Any first-time tips to offer future cruisers on the Miravia? So they just beefed up their internet. For me, it was it wasn't bad. I was able I mean, I deal with a lot of audio files. I never had issues like updating my daily cruise radio news briefs or uploading a show or anything like that. And for the typical cruiser, I think it's fine. You know, if you're trying to stream things, I would suggest, especially like Netflix or Disney Plus, maybe download those before you get on the ship. Also, speaking of like internet, download the MSC for me app. That was really good too. Uh, we were able to make reser- show reservations, um, check our folio, probably other things that you could do that I just don't remember, but it was really intuitive and simple to use. Let me ask you one question about the, did you use the app to register your credit card for onboard accounts? Yes, I did. Okay. I forgot to talk about that. So there's little terminals you can do. Um, they're all over the ship, but you have to put your credit or debit card, swipe it in this machine and then you're registered. Now, it's easier if you'd use a credit card with MSC because apparently when you're using a debit card, you put your debit card and it says, how much of a hold would you like us to hold of your funds? And you push like 200, 300, or 400. Well, if you hit 400 and you only use, let's just say, um, 100, you still have $300 owed back to you. So you have to actually go to guest relations and have that released or transferred back into your account or however it works. I don't know. I I used a credit card. So a credit card is just like any other cruise. It's kind of set it and forget it. But a debit card, it's set up a little differently. But yeah, it's very simple to register your card. But you don't do it before you cruise. You do it while you're on board. 
Yeah, it reminded me a lot of Carnival's Terminals, except you can do more with it. Yeah, I was talking to one of the tour leaders on this ship, and she was explaining to me why it's set up like this. And I'm probably doing a really bad job explaining it, but she said there's certain rules with a debit account. With a credit account, they do like a $300 hold. And then once you hit that 300, they just keep charging your credit card for every transaction you do after that. But because it's a debit card and say you only held $400, if you go over the 400, you have to go there and have them do another hold because they can't keep swiping your debit account because it's hooked to your bank account like they can with a credit card, if that makes oh, sense that makes to you. sense. And just for the listeners so they know, you don't have to do it first thing on board. So mm-hmm. if you find a crowd around the terminals, which I doubt you will, you have 24 hours to do it. So you can do it, you know, right before going to bed at late at night when everyone's gone to bed. So um, there's no rush to get that done as long as you do it within the first 24 hours. I would also say one more tip here would probably be know the level of drink package you want to get. Actually pre-purchase that and pre-purchase the dining package in Wi-Fi. It's all cheaper if you buy it in advance. I was kind of thrown for a loop. I didn't ask the question and I should have, but you know, you, I couldn't use my basic drink package at the steakhouse. I had to go walk to another bar and get the bottle of water, which I was totally fine with. But um, you want to know that kind of stuff going in. I didn't know it going in. I guess I should have did my research. But um, yeah, just know about the packages before you get on board. And one last question before we look have you look back on your experience. Um, did you status match with MSC? So I did the paperwork, but because I booked this last minute, like within 10 days or so, there wasn't enough time. I think the limit is like 10 business days or 15 business days. So I didn't make the cut to status match for this cruise. And just so the listeners know what I'm talking about, uh, MSC will match whatever status you have in hotels or other cruise lines. And so if you're at a high level with one cruise line, you can get up to the highest level on MSC. And if you get to black, which I think just turned a diamond, which we were able to do with our status with Royal Caribbean, it also gave us, I believe, a 5% discount on our booking as well, plus a bunch of other perks on board. Yeah, like I'm platinum with Carnival and it would have put me in at gold. Now, if I would have done it a year ago or when they did it back in 2015 and just had my name in there... I would have been black with them, but I mm-hmm. guess it's, you know, due to overwhelming popularity, they kind of had to create new levels and I guess create a threshold for everyone's loyalty. Yeah, they were being overly generous. And uh, one thing people should also be aware of is you have to cruise once every three years to maintain your status. Mm-hmm. So you will lose that matching status. You will keep whatever status you've naturally earned with MSC, as far as I know, but you will lose that match status and you can only match once in your lifetime. Something to consider. It's a good program. And I mean, I missed out because you get that that milk chocolate ship (laughs) and it's it's, it's $22 to buy that thing from the chocolate shop, which by the way, that um, John Felipe chocolate shop on board, it's a legit chocolate shop where there's chocolatiers in there making chocolate almost around the clock. Then right across from there is a gelato and a crepery. Those were really good as well. Yeah, that was the first place we hit when we boarded was <laughs> yeah. the gelato. But yeah, the chocolate place is, uh, as you said, legit. And they have really good French macaroons. And uh, did they still have the iPads where you could build your own custom chocolate bars? 
you know, I didn't know they did until like maybe the last C day. And then I saw this guy crushing a candy cane and I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, you can order, you know, your specialty chocolate. So he was doing like a candy cane bark chocolate for a guest. So I walked over there. There were three terminals set up where you can do your own, you know, make your own chocolate bar. And I don't remember the prices being unreasonable. I remember the prices being pretty um, reasonable for ship standards. I think it was like maybe if you had a customized one, it was like $10 maybe or something like that. It wasn't bad at all. And it's high quality chocolate. So so looking back, what was your biggest highlight of this cruise? Probably the weather we had on this cruise. It was amazing. It was picture perfect weather. It wasn't too hot, but it wasn't chilly. It was just what you want the, uh, the Gulf of Mexico to be like. And also the Cirque show. We had a really good time in there. We had really good seats. You do want to buy those seats early, though, because we had the we were put on a wait list and then finally got our tickets like hours before the show. But if you want to book the Cirque show, do it right when you get on board. Completely agree. Although there's not much of a need to pre-book because what I understand is you have to still get a reservation Mm -hmm. once you're on board. Yeah. Okay. uh, Final thoughts about the ship. For carrying over 5,000 guests completely full and 1,500 crew members, this ship for the guest-to-space ratio is really well, as I mentioned earlier, with always finding a deck chair out there. MSC has come a long way in the few years that I've, with my experience, of course, everyone's experiences are very subjective, but I would definitely cruise them again. I had a really good time. The food was good. The service was good. Everything that was negative on my last cruise was turned into a positive, and I was very impressed. And if you're familiar with Royal Caribbean ship layouts, you'll feel right at home on board this one. Yeah, it's definitely a hybrid between the Oasis class and the Quantum class. I I saw elements of both in this Mm -hmm. design. Thank you for the opportunity to interview interview you. I really appreciate it, and I'm glad to hear you had a good time on the MSC Miravia. Yeah, and Chris, I really appreciate you interviewing me about this because you've sailed on the ship before. So if you know, obviously I wasn't clear on a couple of things like the terminals that I forgot about and you brought up the credit card terminal. So I appreciate you doing that and have a great cruise on the MSC Grandiosa. Let's talk when you get back. Oh, definitely. I recently uploaded a ship tour deck by deck of MSC Maravilla. If you want to see that, that's on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. I also have some photos of that sailing in our Cruise Radio Facebook group, you can find that at Cruise Radio News on Facebook. All right, Dougie, here we go for uh, the new uh, Cruise Radio stuff here for you. <clears throat> Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.